0: This is Your Own Voice, the podcast about gender, experience, and perspective. I'm your host, Amy Breslow. Each week, I invite a different guest to share their personal experiences regarding gender and gender issues. When I use the word gender, I mean the range of social roles, personality traits, attitudes, behaviors, values, and relative power that society assigns to females, males, and other individuals. Gender is an identity that is learned, How we define gender changes over time and can vary within and across cultures. This podcast is recorded at my kitchen table and may contain sounds of life from my home and neighborhood in Washington, D.C. Episode 11. My guest today is Kim, who identifies as me, myself, and I. Kim prefers the pronouns she and her.
1: So, hello, Kim. Welcome to Your Own Voice. I am so pleased to have you here. Hello, Amy. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here, actually. Kim, I'd like to
0: start off by asking, how do you identify?
1: This is actually a very interesting question uh, when it was posed to me. I identify myself with, I guess, me, myself, and I. I'm not... um, I'm not a role kind of person that you have to put a uh, a box around things. first and foremost, I always have to take care of myself. I'm a put your own mask on type of person. So I identify myself with with me. I'm a she, I'm a her i'm I don't necessarily understand the it that's coming around these days, and I'm really waiting for someone to actually uh explain that to me clearly. (laughs) But I do understand um, the need for different um, identity roles.
0: Kim, when in your life did you first become aware of different gender roles?
1: I don't think I was ever really aware of gender roles because of the way that I was brought up. My mother wore the pants and brought home the bacon and my father was much softer and much kinder on a normal basis. So so the norm of gender roles were, were quite confusing for me. I knew that my aunt was gay and she didn't find that out until, or I should say come out, until after she had children. And that was before I was even born. So I had no idea what normal was other than the normal that was in front of me. So the gender roles that came out once I got older and started going to public school and realized that there were those specific, you know, stay at home mom, father working type of roles that it kind of baffled me. And where where are you from, Kim? Where did you grow up? In? The southwest suburbs of Chicago. If anybody knows what Waden's World is, I was born in Aurora, Illinois. Oh, you were! Mm-hmm. I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> what what was that neighborhood
0: like? What was the
1: yeah? What was the neighborhood I was like? uh, surrounded by cornfields. I grew up like children of the corn, but not the scary kind. Um, we had a roller skating rink next to a bowling alley that was next to a drive-in and that was it the rest of it was all suburban homes and just really out in the middle of nowhere what people would consider you know the suburbs really the suburbs and it was a very lovely um, way to grow up it was just very isolated i had no idea what else was out there
0: i'm curious so when you did get to school and you did because I think you said in public schools mm-hmm. when you started to see oh maybe my family isn't the same as others family mm-hmm. can you remember what uh, what was going
1: on and what you were thinking about at that time why does your mom not work Like the whole stay at home mom concept just really, truly baffled me. No one in my neighborhood, my tiny little neighborhood that I grew up in, it wasn't like that. Mom worked, dad worked. We were, you know, just a a two income type of neighborhood. I'm sure there were mothers that, you know, I didn't know their children and uh, it just wasn't in front of me, but everybody worked. So it just, it really baffled me, like, why is mom staying home and not dad? That doesn't really, that doesn't make sense. I don't get it. And
0: and I'm curious, would you consider where you grew up to be a working class neighborhood?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very normal, blue collar. Mm -hmm.
0: Was there a particular thing that people did? Like, was there a factory or a particular... Yeah,
1: we were... I would say a couple miles from a caterpillar, which that was really the biggest thing that was out there. And most people worked for caterpillar. There was also, because of the area that we lived in, it was um, a straight thoroughfare for the train yard. So there was a big lumber factory that was right next to that. So those were your two major professions that people worked
0: and from other conversations that you and i
1: have had you told me that your your mom was a i know what you call motorcycle harley chick yeah oh, harley mm-hmm. chick that's mm-hmm. it and i grew up essentially on what was supposed to be the back of a motorcycle but i was actually on the front of the motorcycle because that's you know the time that i was growing up you didn't have you know seat belts and all of those you know nice safety things that they finally figured out that we actually needed Um, so i grew up in that very small environment of um, vfws and um, that camaraderie that comes from um, that sort of group and it was a very normal isolated um, upbringing, I found that it was a really awesome way of life. But then all of a sudden, at some point, I realized that that wasn't the only way of life. And that there were other things going out and going on out in the world. And, you know, we never watched the news necessarily. It wasn't that sort of a, of a household. We just didn't do that. You would come home and watch um, sitcoms. But once I did grow up and I did figure out that there were other things going on out in the world and I realized that there was a much bigger world and a much bigger environment and I finally decided that it was time to experience a different place and a different area and grow with that. Kim, what
0: issues of gender do you find that you confront in your workplace? Or
1: is it a non-issue for you? It's actually kind of a funny issue in my workplace because... I work in a nice, um, I'm a hairdresser. I work in a nice salon and it is heterosexual male dominated, which is really odd for most salons and what people would consider a, a typical salon. We don't have a, a, a normal salon staff.
0: Listen. you don't have a stereotypical salon stuff. Correct, staff. yes, yeah. thank
1: you. Um, the The stereotype has definitely gone out the window, thankfully, with our salon, because most people do come in assuming that all of the men that work in our salon are gay, and they are not. We are, I think it's about 50-50 now that I think about it with the, the new people that have come in, but it's a completely stereotype squashing environment which is what i'm definitely drawn to
0: i'm curious when you are dealing with customers because you have male customers and female customers i imagine mm-hmm. are you finding that there are let's say patterns that you deal with with each one of the these different uh genders or is it are, are people more the same than they are different
1: I would say that especially coming into a higher end salon, there are, especially when you're dealing with men in particular, I do have a a well-standing male clientele that they feel different about the fact that they are vain and they're not comfortable with being vain and they feel uncomfortable about being in a salon and then they meet me and they fi- figure out that it's not that big of a deal, and I do everything that I can to make them as comfortable as they can in this scenario. But the first meeting are always very uncomfortable until they figure out that they're much more normal than they're led to believe in the outside world. At least in my salon world, they are normal. So I'm aware of it, and I just make them feel as comfortable as they possibly can. And there is situations where men choose to hide themselves in the back room, which is totally okay, and we accommodate that as well. Um, But we try to make them feel as comfortable as we can in order to just say, hey, it's okay. You can be totally fine with who you are, where you are, and how you are.
0: As you know, these past couple years have been really different in terms of the conversation around gender since the Me Too movement and Time's Up. People um, have been talking and engaging in a way that we never really did in the United States before today. In your opinion, what do you think is possible today given this recent conversation that was not possible even a couple years ago?
1: women walking down the street holding hands, being affectionate in a completely comfortable way. The conversation of people's orientation as it's not necessarily always a sexual orientation. It's a preferential who I like to spend my time with. And it's a much broader conversation rather than is he in the closet or is he out of the closet? It's a conversation. It's nothing to be hidden, I think, these days. And I'm personally very, very proud of my generation for being able to kind of stamp that out of the stigma that, for some reason, some people think needs to stay, stand and true. The scenario that I have. Raising my children, my boys, in an environment that they don't know that it was ever a bad thing to have a friend who is gay or to doubt their own orientation. That's their norm. And I am I am very proud of that. And I know we still have a, a long way to go, but they don't know a time where that was abnormal.
0: And where... I guess for you, grew up like with your aunt. Mm -hmm. It sounds like she had some really
1: difficult things that she had to face. Absolutely. She was, and I don't know the actual story because we have that kind of family where we don't talk about all of the really deep issues. All I know is that she was military for a long time and she was um, discharged because of um, uh, an injury, it had nothing to do with, you know, her orientation or anything like that, but that injury carried throughout her life. She still has um, permanent back issues. But her being a lesbian in the military, I know, was she had to hide it. It was not something that she was ever able to talk about or that it was a comfortable conversation it's It's still. That sad stigma.
0: So this was like during the time of don't ask, don't tell, or even before that time?
1: Before that. Oh, yeah, way before that.
0: Kim, can you tell me about a time when you thought that I can't do something, I can't do this thing, or if I try to do this thing, that the consequences would be so great that it just wasn't worth trying?
1: I had to make a decision when my... My husband left, I had an eight year old and a one year old. My house was upside down, the market burst, the bubble burst and I needed to be able to support my family. So I had to swallow every ounce of pride and make a decision to do something that I was terrified would be the wrong thing to do. But I knew that I had no i had no other choices. I had no alternative. I was either go down this path or you're going to end up having to veer off and you have no idea where you're going to veer off to. So you might as well walk the path and bear the pain of that path and learn from that. So I did. I, I gave everything up and I took a new job and I moved in with a friend and I gave away every possession that I had and it was a gigantic gamble and it took a long time to come back from it and I was right. It worked out. Um, but there was a time where I sat there after everything happened that I sat there and said, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to bounce back from this. I'm, I'm completely ruined. And something clicked. I don't know how and I don't know why. Um, something clicked and it said, just get up.
0: I'm wondering, do you think in this position that you were in, do you think gender had anything to do with the circumstances that led you to that situation?
1: Absolutely. The fact that I was a female in a marriage allowed me to be left with the responsibility of two children while he sowed his royal oats. That is probably, I've, I've never known a man to be in that situation. And I'm not saying that there aren't any, but I'm sure that there are. But it's a different situation when you're the mother that's trying to explain this to your children. And I don't, I don't know if, if that's the same situation, if the roles are, are reversed. It's so common that this happens
0: that the law had to be formed to make sure that deadbeat dads supported their children. And they would not have had to make that law if this wasn't a pretty common occurrence. Mm-hmm. So to me that's kind of that's the evidence that yeah, yeah, this must happen enough that somebody actually had to make a law mm-hmm. about it. Kim, is there a place in your life when you decided to push on anyway, even though gender expectations or gender norms told you not to?
1: Yeah, going back to the um, the last story I was just telling you about when I said I just had to get up, I had to give my ex-husband sole custody of my children, which most mothers would never do. In order to get him to physically help me with my children, because I was leaving my job and I didn't have income and I didn't have money to pay for childcare, but I had to do A through M in order to eventually get to Z. And I needed help to do that. And no matter what my personal opinion of this person is, he is the father of my children and he has wonderful parents. And I knew that they would help. If I did this, this was a circumstance that I had no choice. My mother stopped talking to me. My sister didn't understand why I did it. But I knew in my heart that it was the thing that I had to do in order to get us to the next level. So I signed over um, sole custody of my children. Well, I shouldn't say sole custody, primary custody of my children in order to have to be legally um, bound to pay my ex-husband child support that was the only way that he would help me as if i had to, to pay him so i had to go through this scenario in order to get to the next level most mothers would not be put in that situation but i was And I, like I said, I got up and I pushed through it. And it definitely benefited me in the long run because I trusted my gut and I knew I was doing the right thing. And it took me a long time to get him to let go of that. And it took me much effort legally and personally, but I knew it was worth it. And I knew I was never going to give up. And I knew... I was their mother, and no matter what, they were coming back to me.
0: I'm sorry that you had to go through that. That must have been a really hard
1: thing to endure. Definitely a hard thing to go through, but I truly, truly believe that you learn the most in life from those truly hard things that you have to go through. I'm not sorry Mm -hmm. at all. I think that it happened the way that it happened for a reason, and everybody's better for it in the long run, and... I'm a stronger person for it. I know what I can do and what I can't do now. I I get it. I Mm -hmm. totally
0: get it. You remind me of a story that a friend of mine told me. She moved out to a small town in the Midwest that sounded like it had similar circumstances. And the main employer closed down and everybody was economically impacted. And... What she saw was the impact on many of the women that she knew in this town. She saw them having to make some gut-wrenching choices where people would have to move back in with family or even sometimes move back in with a partner who had been abusive. And you know, she told me that until she had lived in this particular area that she used to be puzzled or just really concerned when she see somebody make a decision. She didn't understand why somebody would go back to a situation like that, but she hadn't, hadn't really walked in their shoes and didn't know what it was like to have no other or to feel like you had no other choices because of your economic situation. And I I just was wondering if you had any thoughts about that.
1: That's exactly the, the situation that I felt like I was in. Yes, it was here and it was in DC, but I was completely alone. I had no one, I had no family here. I had no one to, to help me or support me. So I had to make the hardest decision possible in order to get through.
0: So when my friend was telling me about this, you know, she was saying that she used to judge these women, but suddenly she just understood that when you have nothing but bad choices, I mean, you, you, there are people in this country who they just do the best they can with some pretty, really, really gut-wrenching, difficult choices.
1: I definitely understand uh, about judging people, you know, standing in your pretty house and not really understanding. I remember those scenarios as I was growing up coming from a small town and not understanding why people's relationships were the way that they were especially coming from a family that nobody really talked about anything my parents didn't talk to each other i didn't understand why they didn't talk to each other they had um essentially dissolved their marriage before i was even born and then i just happened to be there but i remember growing up thinking that i didn't understand Why women made the decisions that they did, especially when they were in abusive situations or in unloving marriages and just having that judgmental uh, perception of, well, of course, you just go and you fix it and you change it and everything's better. And then having gone through it, you think, hmm, maybe not so easy. It actually is very hard once you're standing there with all of the chips in your hand and what are you going to do with them you need to figure this out it is a perspective that you hope that not many people have to um, come upon or realize it is quite humbling though as an adult and I've really tried to pass that off to my children and show them that Yes, you 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 may see things in one specific way, but you need to, you know, turn around and do a couple circles until you're dizzy and then you'll see it a different way. Kim, is there something
0: that you would like just regular people in this country to start doing around issues of gender now?
1: I would mostly like people to stop electing old white men that can choose what goes on with my body or anyone else's body because it's it's really nobody else's business what goes on. And we keep going through this same cycle over and over again and until we the people Start putting people in office that actually think the way that we do. And yes, they're going to be different colors, and they're going to be different genders, and they're going to be different ages. And that is a good thing. Change is good. We need to embrace the change. And throw out the word normal. We don't have a normal. The normal is not normal. And we need to embrace that. I would really like people to just be okay with whatever is right next to you and stop being so judgmental and think that you know what's right and what's wrong because there is no right and there is no wrong it's everyone else's choice to make their choices for themselves and for their family we need to stop thinking that we know what's best for everyone else
0: Kim, is there anything else that you would like to add, either about something that we already talked about or something that I didn't raise regarding gender within the United States?
1: The conversation that we had originally really took me back to think about the gender roles that were specifically in my family because that, it, it was such a small, isolated um environment that I had when I was growing up. And it was very unique in, in its very small little world. I have one sister that at a very young age decided she was going to take a particular job. And she worked that job her entire adult life until I think it was a couple of years ago It was actually five years ago. And then I suddenly found out that her boss had been physically, sexually, and verbally harassing her. But she stayed working in this environment for 30-something years, 35 years maybe. And I I asked her when she finally told me about this because she had never mentioned anything. She was married this entire time. I asked her, why on earth would you allow that to keep happening? And she said, well, when he was physically harassing me, since he was my boss, he was also putting money in my bra. And that's what helped me pay my mortgage. That's what helped me put my kids through school. So she was making these choices to take the abuse essentially and not say anything about it because she thought it was still better for her family. And it made me realize how how many women, men, people, it's not a gender um, issue, it's just people that go through these situations, as you said, because they were trying to make things better, make ends meet, make these decisions as a woman to take the abuse and, and take the attention, unwanted attention that she was getting in order to further her life and make her children's life better, which is, it's so sad. And I know that at this point in her life, she really does regret staying silent for so many years But for whatever reason, she felt like she couldn't say anything. I'm really sorry that that
0: happened to your sister.
1: I am too. But as I said before, as horrible as things are, I I think she regrets being silent. But she is, in hindsight, a much stronger person because she really did come out the other side. And eventually she did say something. And eventually she did make everybody aware and eventually he did pay for all of those years of of abuse. And I know that she's a stronger person because of that. And I, I see it in her.
0: I'm very happy to hear that. and I'm mm-hmm. happy to hear that this guy was held accountable.
1: Mm-hmm. Kim, is there anything else you'd like to add? I think what you're doing is amazing. And I think that you should always Follow this. Follow this passion. Keep going, because the more voices that are heard, the better. Thank you so much, Kim. I'm so grateful. Thank you for coming over today. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. Always my pleasure.
0: You've been listening to Your Own Voice, the podcast about gender, experience, and perspective. I'm your host, Amy Breslow. I see each conversation as an adventure, and I love being surprised by where we go, if you found you had any questions during the discussion, I'd really like to know. You can submit questions on the website, yourownvoice.org contact. Your Own Voice is produced by your host with IT support from Alex Moreno and is registered with Protect Right, music by Kevin MacLeod. Thank you for joining us today. I'll be back in one or two weeks with the next episode. Until then, take care and be well.